Let's say that line. Let's just proclaim that line. Because you're with me. Now, before we say this next part, let's really connect it. I will not. Come on. I will not. Fear. I'm going to be sharing some things this morning, interestingly enough, that for those that don't have relationship with the King of Glory, the Alpha, the Omega, the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, our Father God, there's going to be some fear. But what we have to declare and what we have to know is the body of Christ that for us, fear is not for us. Are you, are you with me? I, I really need you to hear this because I think we have a mental ac, you know, acquiescence to that idea. But I don't know if our belief system is so grounded and rooted in the reality of who he is and what he has done for us that we really get to be the recipient of the fullness of no fear. The life without it. As we have been looking through Philippians, we've been going through verse by verse, and and I know we spent a bit of time, almost two weeks in Acts 16, to talk about how the church, the house church of Philippi began. And then we've looked here from this area of Scripture, from, from Philippians, as to how it is that Paul is communicating um, with the Philippian believers from a jail cell. That's right. He is there in the jail again. And the Philippian believers, they did something amazing. We prayed earlier about being a generous house. Paul highlights them as being one of the most generous people that he'd ever known and and how they supported him and committed to him. And really this Philippian letter, this epistle is written as a, a place of thanksgiving for their generosity but it's absolutely rich with compelling truth. If you have your Bibles with you this morning or your iPad or whatever it is that you might use, I want to encourage you uh, to turn uh, to Philippians. When I was a young guy, you know, a teenager just getting used to the Bible and uh, got saved in the Jesus movement, uh, they, they taught us how to remember kind of where the epistles were by giving us this little acronym from uh, General Electric Power Company. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And then what's after that? Colossians. Thank you, somebody. <laughs> so if you're there in Philippians, I'm going to begin reading in verse three. And, and this verse is a, is a verse of thanksgiving and a, and a prayer. But, but it's, it's filled with some credible power. So listen to me. I, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. 
This is a very joyful, uh, joyful epistle. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, we looked at that piece, the first day, being confident, and this is the verse we all know, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you. Look at your neighbor and say, there's some good stuff in you. (laughs) Some good stuff in you. He who began a good work in you, the good stuff in you is he himself. Christ in you, the very hope of glory. Powerful thing. He began a good work in you. Look at this. Will complete it until the day. Everybody say, the day. Come on, say it again. The day. He will complete this work until the day of Jesus Christ. My primary subject matter this morning, and, I, and as I said, I'm kind of in this verse-by-verse verse sort of teaching mode right now, and, and, you know, I'm not sure exactly where all the Holy Spirit wants to take it, but I want to talk to you about the day. The day that we're supposed to have confidence about. The day that we're supposed to have assurance of. The day of the Lord. And yet, in the midst of the understanding of the day of the Lord, I believe that much of the body of Christ, especially those that have come up uh, into the Lord in the last decade or two, we don't really have this clear understanding of this profound truth that's in the Bible that begins back in Isaiah all the way through Revelation over and over again about the day of the Lord. And this morning, I want you to be able to walk out of this church today with an understanding. Is that all right? It's good to come to church and learn something, right? It's also good to come to church and experience the person of God. I want to see both. I want to see us both walking in that revelation. And I want, us to, I want to see us walking in the encounter. Now, the grace of God is, is, is among us, I truly believe, and I, we prayed before the service this morning, and, and, and we're grateful for those that have come and assisted today in worship with uh, Crystal and, and uh, Herschel. Uh, they, they're, they're new to the body here. And we're grateful that the Lord is here to reveal to us, I believe, something that he's desired for his church to know and to walk in in power. So I'm going to pray real quick, ask the Holy Spirit just to come in here and give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, hands and feet to obey what we hear. (laughs) Right? How many know it's the truth that you apply that does what? Sets you free. It doesn't set you free if you don't apply it. So there's truth today. Father, I thank you for the anointing of your spirit. I thank you for the word of truth. I thank you for life and liberty. And I'm asking you, Lord God, to give free course in the sharing of your word in this moment. And Lord, I'll be careful to give you the praise and the thanks for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So we're going to talk about the day. Get ready. Get ready. A lot of scripture. But you're going to go out with something. I'm going to go back to that first reference, Isaiah 13, 6. Let's hear about it. 
Can I tell you right now at the beginning of this disclaimer kind of thing, this is not a feel-good message. <laughs> I, I, want you, I want you to know right now, so just get yourself, it's not, it's not necessarily a feel-good message especially for those that are not walking in the light as he's in the light. Yeah? And, and so you need to know up front, just get ready. It's going to be one of those. I got somebody that really wants it, so I'm going to give it to him. Right, right. Okay. Anyway, so so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna press we're gonna press into this day thing. So Isaiah thirteen six says, "Well, what a way to start, right? <laughs> For the day of the Lord." So what you're going to find out, you're going to find the day codified in different ways: the day of the Lord, the day, the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. The day of Christ, all of these expressions we're going to hear uh, in just little different ways, but they're basically all talking about the same day, though that some would like to separate two days, and I'll get into that in a moment. I really believe these are used interchangeably, especially in the new covenant. But look at this. Well, for the day of the Lord is near, as destruction from the Almighty, it will come. Now, I know some of us have a Bible that have removed all of that stuff out of it. God doesn't do any of that anymore. That's the God of the Old Testament. Uh-oh, it got real quiet in here. I, I, I get it. I, I understand. I understand that. But I want, I want you to have the full body of truth. How many know it's supposed to be the full gospel, not just the half gospel? How many know that it is the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings that we're to enter in? A lot of us are really good about the resurrection message, but we don't know how to enter into suffering if we don't know how to walk in that. And I know in some people's Bibles, the suffering doesn't even happen for the saints. None of that happens. I get it, but that's not the Bible. It's a message. And remember, the Bible told us for us to be careful about various winds of doctrine. So what happens many times is there's a good doctrine, but it's got a disproportionate amount of wind behind it. <laughs> there's a whole lot of hot air that's going after a good doctrine until it no longer becomes a good doctrine because it becomes distorted from the balance of truth that's in the Word. Are you all with me this morning? I believe that truth is found in the tension between what appears to be juxtaposed to one another in the Scripture, that we need to find the balance. Balance is not a word for mediocrity, nor is it a word for complacency. Balance is the perfect life that Jesus lived that he's called us to live in. Come on, you need to hear me. And when we're living in balance, man, we're, we're, we're supersonic. That's just the word that came to me. I like that word. Super spiritual, supersonic. I mean, we are because we're right in the midst of the, the sweet spot, the spot that's right there. We need to be in the sweet spot in our theology. We need to be in the sweet spot of our orthopraxy, fancy word for the way we practice Christianity or following Jesus. The day of the Lord. Everybody say the day. I, I love this. Ezekiel said 
In verse 30, verse 3, for the day is near. The day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. Woo, anonymous. Joel 1, 15, alas, for the day. Everybody say the day. For the day of the Lord is near. And as destruction from the Almighty, it comes. Many times the Old Testament prophets, they would, they would juxtapose the idea of, of the day of the Lord being near just so that people could come and understand there's this little prophetic picture, you will, of what is going to come in power in the future time. Now, I want us to segue for a moment if we can, and I want us to move to a, to a portion of Scripture in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, that I think will give great understanding to the day of the Lord. Go with me, if you would, please, to Peter, second, the second epistle of Peter. When you're there, say, I am. There's a few of you. If not, it'll get up on the board. And in this particular verse of Scripture, in, in 2 Peter, the second epistle of Peter, chapter 3, we begin to read uh, some incredible, incredible things about the day of the Lord. Let me, let me begin. Verse 1, Beloved, I now write to you in this second epistle, in both of which I want to stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets of the commandment of us and the apostles of the Lord and Savior. A lot of scripture here. Knowing that first scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they will willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in, and, pardon me, standing out of the water and in the water. By which the world that existed then perished being flooded by water. Now I want to stop for just a moment because I want you to hear the time. The time that it's saying here in, in, in Peter's epistle that the promise of his coming, that people are, people are not in touch with that. You know what's an interesting thing? That in the, in the, in the New Testament days, in fact, just right after Jesus' departure, the disciples began to share a word. They had kind of like a, a word promise that they shared with one another. Let me say the word. See if any of you have ever heard it. If you have, I want you to just lift your hand up. Have you ever heard the word Maranatha? If you have, hold your hand up. So I've got about maybe 35% of the crowd, 40% maybe, of the crowd that's heard the word Maranatha. What's interesting is... You know, Jesus talked about peace, and he said peace was not going to come. But the, the major greeting of the Hebraic people during this season, the Jews, was shalom. How many have heard shalom? Everybody's heard the word shalom. But you know, the, the New Testament saints, when they got together, they didn't say shalom. They said maranatha. 
You want to know why? Because the definition of Maranatha is very interesting. The definition is the Lord comes or come, Lord. In other words, they weren't speaking peace. They were speaking into a prophetic promise that God was saying, and that promise was that Jesus is going to come back. He's going to make everything right. He's going to turn everything that is upside down right now right side up. (laughs) The narrative that is trying to be uh, built into our lives right now is through the God of this world's ecosystem. And those of us that are in the West are really caught up with the life that we have. We're, we, you know, Jesus, I got things to do. Don't come back just yet. I mean, come on, we're, we're proclaiming your goodness. We got all this stuff happening. We got it all going on. And you know what? Every time there's a bobble somewhere in our society We get all up in arms as believers as if things are coming against us when in reality is things are just getting in order for the day of the Lord. But our perception and our emotions and our affections are so coddled in the things of the God of this world that we do not properly discern the times or the seasons that we're in. That's not necessarily true in other cultures and other lands, but it's definitely true in Western culture. We have been anesthetized by the, by the goodness of the things that we live in, and we, and we haven't got our life in balance in the Word or in balance in our experience with God. Now, I told you at the beginning of this message this was going to be a feel-good, right? Now, I'm not, I didn't lie, did I? The quieter you get, the more reality I know we're walking in. (laughs) But uh, we hadn't even got started yet, guys. This is is incredibly compelling to me. Look at this once again. Just look back up. And it says, in the last days, there are scoffers that are going to come, walking according to their own lust. I think one of the prayers that you and I need to have as believers today, we need to pray in to the reality of where are we allowing the lust of this world, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life to erode against our Christian consciousness and our, our passion. Because I believe the God of heaven is awakening passion in people right now. I believe there are people that are, I'm talking to some folks, some of you around here, and I'm hearing the hunger begin to escalate. The hunger for reality in God, the desire to walk in the power of his might. Now, Verse 7, it says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, Listen to me. Everybody listen, please, very carefully. Say, I am. All right. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved, there's a preservation that's taking place by the Holy Spirit, even as we're here this morning. Notice what it says. They're preserved by the same word, are being reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. 
everything that's being preserved right now is being reserved for a future time. And that future time is called the day, the day of the Lord. Now, I want you to know right offhand, it's not all bad news. There's some really good news in the midst of this. In fact, we're good news people, right? We're people of the gospel. But, but again, we have, to, we have to see both. We have to see, we have to see that there's destruction there's anxiety, there's pain, there's problems that are coming. At the same time, there's provision and power and grace and anointing. What is the thing that's motivating us in our moment before the day? Because I truly believe, if we truly believe that the day is coming and approaching, that we might be living different than the way we're living right now. <laughs> Uh, does that make sense? You, you get what I'm saying? If we truly believe, because I, I've always had this little thing, I've always said, you'll be living what you truly believe. In other words, our lifestyle, the way we go about life and the way we go about relationships, the way we go about prayer, the way we go about worship, the way we do, all of these things are going to be predicated upon what we anchor in truth. And the Word... The word's pretty powerful about this. Notice, but beloved, verse 8, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Hear the heart of God. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Remember I talked a moment ago about the preservation? You know why the Holy Spirit is preserving that day and not just releasing this doom and destruction and all of that stuff? He's preserving it because the heart of God is for everyone that possibly can to come into the family of God and be rescued from the day that's coming. See, this God of promise wants to rescue us out of, of this incredible moment that's coming in time that is going to be horrific. You think you've got some problems right now? This world thinks it's a, a trouble and this little COVID thing that we're dealing with? And please, I don't in any way want to uh, marginalize that. I can tell you right now that uh, I had in my house last night, glory to God, I had Hector Rodriguez in my house who died three times from COVID and came back to life. <laughs> Yesterday was their first time to, to get out, uh, really, as family, to do anything. And they, they came over, and we got to rejoice together at the table for his life. But at the same time that we're rejoicing for life, many of us, even ourselves included, have lost loved ones. But none of this compares to that day. Think about that for a moment. Think about all the anxiety and all the stuff that's in the world right now. 
Think about yesterday and the day before when we're looking at 9-11, whenever the, uh, you know, the terrorist tragedy happened at the World Trade Center and how, how horrific that was. And you look at that plane going into the building, all that pillar of smoke. The Bible says that that kind of smoke is going to cover the earth. I mean, do we believe the Bible? Or do we just believe the good stuff? <laughs> We're supposed to be good news people in bad news places. <laughs> you know, wherever there's bad news, we ought to be bringing the good news. Right? And the good news is you've got a God that loves you, that gave his son for you, so you can escape the day, so that you can walk with him without delay and have the fullness of his love in your life today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stay with me. Stay with me a few more minutes. I, I, I promise not to go too long here much more because, as I've always said, Invite myself back next week, and I'll finish up. Hallelujah. That's what we're going to do. Listen to this. Listen to this. This great detail of the day of the Lord, it's referring to two simultaneous things that are happening. It's referring to the return of Christ, the coming of Christ, and it's concerning this cataclysmic activity that's taking place here on the earth. These things are happening parallel with one another. Now, it's not my intent right now, though I will do this in the future, to get into all the eschatological dimensions of whether it's post-millennialism, mid-millennialism, pre-millennialism, all the different theological-isms that we can get into about how you interpret the Scripture of end times. All I want you to know is that there is a day coming. That's all, I, that's all I'm looking for right now. My takeaway is that we go out of here today knowing there's a day coming. The day of the Lord is at hand. Now, I, I'm glad it is, a, it is a now and a then too because the kingdom of God is at hand right now. And yet, it's not fully here until that day. We're proclaiming the kingdom of God, and it is at hand. I mean, when we, when we prophesy and when we lay hands on the sick and when we declare demonic, uh, you know, excavation out of people's lives, when those things are taking place, the kingdom of God is at hand. But it's not at hand the way it's going to be on that day. Everybody tell me one more time. Say, that day. That day. <laughs> Whew. This is a little tough one here this morning, but we're going to get through it. The coming of Christ. Not going to get into the idea about the rapture right now, whether believe in it or don't or, or how we look at it. We know there's going to be this catching away. We know these things are happening. And in fact, we're going to read here just a little bit more and we're going to get some clarity on that. And then we'll kind of end it for this morning. But just stay with this, if you will. Not only is he not willing that any should perish, it all come to repentance. But in verse 10, he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. There's numerous parables that Jesus gave about a thief. 
couple of epistles deal with great detail about this idea of the thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat, and both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. You see, all of these things that we get all consternated about, all these things that bring us pause and anxiety, so many of those things are found in a reality of temporality. They're temporal because they are going to pass away. And all the effort that we give into so much of this, it's, it's going to be for naught. And here's the, here's the thing, friends. I, I'm with you. I'm a Westerner. I, I like nice things. I like all that. I, you know, I like decent clothes. I like all, I, all these kinds of things I like. But it's got to have a comparative. There has to be a sense of balance about where it is I put my priority, where it is I put my affection, where I put my passion, where I put my heart. Otherwise, the scripture that says, let not your heart be troubled will not be your reality. You'll have a troubled heart because your heart will be filled with all of these passions and affections and desires and pursuits that are temporary. Yeah. Okay, John, you need to keep going just a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm encouraging myself in the Lord right now, okay? Just keep pressing in. Because this isn't my normal, you know, it's not my normal message. It's, you know, I'm a grace guy. I, I love, I'm an encourager. I want to build up the body of Christ. I want all of that. But I've got to be faithful to the word too. And there is a day, friends. There is a day of the Lord that's coming. And we need to persuade men and women about the day. I'm going to have to start praying in tongues in a moment here to get get to. Okay, so look at this. Uh, uh, Let me get through this, at least this verse. Let me get through this verse, right? Fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will burn up. There's an annihilation, if you will, that's coming. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved... Is this the Word of God? Somebody say yes, Pastor. I need your help this morning right now. Okay, somebody in the house, tell me it's a good thing. You know, that we we believe in the Word. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Those of you that are watching my live stream, guys, it, it is a difficult word. It's a hard word, but I want you to know I share it because it's a love letter from our, it's a love letter from our Savior. Nobody talked more about this than Jesus. Jesus talked about this. And then the epistles, the, the, the apostles, they picked up in their epistles just continuing to bring that message because they knew there had to be a value. There had to be a wake up. We live and quote this woke generation we need to be woke about the word. 
<laughs> about, about, well, about what the Word says. Thank you. So what, so what do we do with this? Let me, let me end with this. Hey, Herschel, you, you came up to help me a little? Huh. He, he came up to encourage me. Okay. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons? Okay, this is where we land the plane. What, what manner of persons ought you to be? Okay, if you didn't believe anything I just said, then this won't apply. If you choose, if you just want to be one of those, la, 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 I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I just want to hear about the glory. <laughs> then none of this applies. But if you're a person that believes this book and believes the authors were moved by the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to proclaim to us a faithful word that would keep us against that day, right? That day, the day, the day that we can be confident that Jesus will finish what he started with us, right? That's where this all began. Everything I'm reading to you right now, it all started with that, that we could be confident that if we've given our life to him, he's faithful to complete what he started in us. He's not going to leave us half done. <laughs> he's going to be well done, that good and faithful servant, right, huh? And, and, and that is good news, but, but look at this. How then... What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Get it, get it, get it. Verse 12, looking for the hastening, the coming of the day of God. In other words, the Scripture is saying we need to be looking for that day. We need to be looking for the day of the Lord that's coming. It's something that should be in the rhythm of our life, in the rhythm of our spiritual life. God, you're coming soon. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come, come. I hope in Ashford Community Church that we get that word in our vernacular, that we have a Maranatha mantra, that when we greet one another, we begin to get Jesus is coming on our mind to such a degree that we say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come on, Maranatha. Can you try it once? Just say it to me. Maranatha. Maranatha. Come on. Say it to your neighbor right now. Maranatha. And, and, know, and know what you're saying, what you're prophesying, if you will, what you are proclaiming, what, are you, what you're declaring is, come Lord Jesus. And yes, I want him to come in this service. I want him to come in an encounter with me right now. But I also want him to come back in glory <laughs> and set everything right. They made a mistake last week. They told me I had more time on the clock than what I thought I'd been having. And that's why you're still here. And I'm still preaching. 
right? <laughs> We're going to pray. We're going to pray in just a moment, have a couple of announcements. Look at this, though. Look at this. Huh. I love it. Looking for the hastening of the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved. He's just saying again, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. There's a fire coming. We have fire tunnels. <laughs> we, we pray fire over one another. We hope that folks are baptized in fire, right? But there's a fire that's coming. That's not just going to be a cleansing fire. We're going to get a cleansing fire. Our works that we do are going to be tried by the fire. And those that are good, uh, they'll go on to everlasting. Those that aren't will get burned up. But we're not talking about that fire. We're talking about a fire that consumes everything. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, say it with me, his promise. Come on. According to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So here's the beauty of this. The beauty is, is this, guys, is that while everything we know is passing away, there's something brand new that's coming our way. <laughs> I tell you what, it's coming our way. It's coming to you and coming to me as we say yes to him and as we believe on the promise and as we declare the goodness of God even in the land of the living because it is the goodness of God that is the preservative that's taking place right now so no man should perish but everyone would come into life. The question is, are we taking full advantage of the preservative? Are we taking full advantage of the moment in which we live where we're persuading men and women to come into that saving knowledge of God so that they can walk in the joy of the Lord and not walk in the fear of the enemy? Because there's so much fear around in the air, you could cut it with a knife everywhere. All kinds of fear. And the saddest thing for me as a pastor is seeing how many of my brothers and sisters in Christ are caught up in that thing. Because they simply have not readjusted. Their, their optics are all wrong on the wrong thing. We're looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not looking at these temporal things. We're not looking for the voice that is calling out of this wilderness that's here, but we're looking for the voice of God that declares to us, <laughs> come up higher and see what I've got. See what I've got. See what I've done. See what I desire. Are you with me this morning, church? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I pray you are, and if it's a little too hard to take, stick around. We'll continue to soothe you, but we're going to move you. <laughs> we're not going to let you stay. We're not going to let you stay the way you are. We're going to press you in to the place of his promise, right, where you can be transformed from glory to glory. Who wants some more glory this morning? Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. To God be the glory and the honor and the praise. He is worthy. He is worthy. <laughs> You're worthy of it all. Woo. Oh, we bless you. We bless you, God. Power and might and majesty. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Father, I want to thank you for the body of Christ that's in this place. 
Lord, we are presenting ourselves, Lord, as living sacrifices unto you, which is our reasonable act of spiritual worship. And we're making that choice not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we might prove what the good and the perfect and the acceptable will of God is. And Lord, we want to walk in the power of your might. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He's worthy of praise.